Good day, this is Dr. David Kopez, and today we'll be mapping the cost of caring on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. David Kopaz. David R. Kopaz, MD, is board certified through the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology, the American Board of Integrative Medicine, and the American Board of Integrative and Holistic Medicine. He is a psychiatrist at Seattle VA in primary care mental health integration, an assistant professor at University of Washington, and an education champion with the National VA Office of Patient-Centered Care and Cultural Transformation, teaching holistic health to VA staff. David is the author of Rehumanizing Medicine and of three books that he co-authored with Joseph Rael, a Southern Ute elder, also known as Beautiful Painted Arrow. Those books are called Walking the Medicine Wheel, Healing Trauma and PTSD, Becoming Medicine, and Becoming Who You Are. Hello, Dr. Kopaz. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Uh, Thank you, Andrea. Thanks for having me on today. So as someone who trains thousands of practitioners a year, I often see providers get stuck in the gap between quality and compassion, or even harder for me, if I'm to be perfectly honest, is helping them to understand that their compassion, if well utilized, is actually an asset in their clinical care and clinical outcomes and not a detriment. And this is one reason I was especially excited to talk to you about the cost of caring When you've explored this concept, the concept of the cost of caring, what did you ultimately mean by that phrase? Yeah, there's a narrative around burnout that people try and say, well, is this burnout? Is it compassion fatigue? Is it depression? Is it stress? You know, all these different things. And and I kind of got tired of trying to like whittle everything down into some type of label. And I wanted to have an overarching concept that looked at clinician or provider suffering. And so I kind of thought, well, what's, you know, anything from like you stress, which is stress that's going to be beneficial for growth to suicide at the extreme, and then putting burnout and compassion and vicarious traumatization, moral injury, things like that kind of on a rough spectrum in between. Is this something that you found happens with certain kinds of providers or providers working with certain kinds of patients? I know my passion is working with people with chronic illness, and I see that others who work with patients with chronic illness, whether they're mental health challenges or physiological challenges or both, 
especially things that are not necessarily diagnosable, can fall into more of these traps that you're talking about because we want to fix, we want to remedy. And the truth is we can't always do that or that's not necessarily our job. You know, I work with veterans and a lot of trauma. So a lot of the kind of different terminologies grew out of the observation that people who work closely with high intensity trauma tend to develop at some point, you know, or can develop at some point, secondary traumatic stress, vicarious traumatization, compassion fatigue. These are all terms that are almost pointing to like the contagion of the trauma. And I think we could expand it even greater to say when we work with suffering, you know, intractable suffering, death, incurable mental health issues, these complex chronic mind-body issues, all these things where we want to help and we can't figure it out. I think those would also be situations where you could be more likely to have burnout. That said, there's also a lot of variables that are institutional as well. Talk a little bit about those institutional variables, and then I'm also curious about some of the background that we bring to the work and what we think the work is going to deliver or what we get out of being a healthcare practitioner. But where does the institution play a role in the burnout or the cost, the risk of being a caring provider? So some people are starting to shift from looking at burnout to the idea of moral injury. And Z-Dog MD has a nice colorful video about moral injury that's kind of worth watching to kind of look at that conceptual frame shift. Interestingly, you know, the Medscape 2022 survey of physicians for burnout, they do an annual burnout survey. The top six reasons that physicians list for burnout have nothing to do with patients. It's all institutional, how their colleagues or managers treat them, working with the interface with the electronic medical record, all these different things that really aren't about doing direct patient care. So it's really interesting to think maybe like the kind of burnout and the cost of caring is not always just from trying to do the work as a compassionate clinician, but also having an institution interfering with your ability, kind of getting in the way of doing the work that you want to do for someone to try and alleviate their suffering. That's such a good point. I know that for a lot of the people that I train, they may work outside of the system and they think that the system is only beneficial. And what I hear you saying is that there's a risk and a reward for every kind of working relationship in terms of the healthcare system, in working with insurance, the EMRs, the technologies, the bosses, the layers that might all contribute to the hardship that a provider is experiencing. Yes. And anytime you're working with somebody, you're working within a system. I had a holistic private practice for five years and I realized, okay, I'm developing my own healthcare delivery system. And there were pros and cons. You know, I could give very individualized care, but I couldn't see a lot of people. And I also tended to be more isolated because I wasn't, I didn't have the negatives of an institution telling me, you know, how I should practice or interfering with practice, but I didn't have the positives of working with a team or a community. 
When we think about the cost of caring on the practitioner, do you see this developing both psychologically and physiologically? You mentioned a spectrum earlier just from what might be thought of as burnout to going to moral injury and at its worst, what we're seeing with providers that may manifest in taking of one's life because of the frustrations. So does it manifest as physiological symptoms like GI distress and immune imbalances and, you know, hormonal stress? Are we seeing that? And is there any documentation around that? Well, let's see. So this specific question about the documentation around, for instance, like burnout, looking at burnout and immune parameters, I don't know so much about burnout per se, but definitely looking at stress, like even medical student exam stress, they found that medical students right before their exams are more susceptible to viral infections. So we know that stress affects the entire organism, the whole human organism in a holistic way, you know, from mitochondria to kind of spiritual metaphysical types of perspectives. So in a way, you know, I look at life as a psychosomatic or psycho social, spiritual, somatic experience, you know, so any experience, any sort of stress is going to affect the total organism and not just the physiology or the psychology or emotions. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So we're just seeing it impact all aspects like we would see with stress or lack of sleep. All of those things are going to have myriad effects depending on the individual. Correct. When We look at it through your lens, Dr. Kopaz, and you bring a real spiritual lens to the practice and the art of the practice. What can we do to mitigate some of the stressors and that cost of caring? I think there's kind of three ways to look at the costs of caring, or if you want to just kind of simplify it to thinking just about burnout. But we can think of the costs of caring as a deficit of self-care or a place where we can kind of tune up our self-care. Yet there's a study by West in, I think it was JAMA in 2020 or 2021, that showed physicians, they studied physicians, they're more resilient than the average population, and yet they have higher rates of burnout. So we know this idea of like, if you were just resilient, you wouldn't be burned out. We know that's not an entirely true kind of narrative or equation. But that's one way of looking at costs of caring is I need to stop putting so much out and I need to take care of myself. Another way of looking at it is what are the institutional barriers that are making my job more difficult and more complicated and situations where I feel like I could do something, but the institution or the organization interferes in a way or tells me I have to practice in a certain way that I can't actually meet the person where they are. For instance, one point I was told during the pandemic when we had a new manager, we don't care if you're happy, we don't care if you leave, we just want you to practice according to our model. So, you know, those types of things too can take an effect on morale. The third level would be the costs of caring as an invitation or an initiation into being a wounded healer where you can take the suffering and use it as transformation because there's always going to be more suffering. Every clinician is going to reach a point where with a particular patient or a particular time in their life, they're going to feel overwhelmed with the amount of suffering that's out there 
and the limitations of their own ability to care for it all. And that can also be an invitation, though, where we kind of retreat back into our wounds and use the wounds to open up into compassion. Parker Palmer, the educator, talks about the heart can either fragment, it can break apart into sharp shards that hurt you and everyone else, or the heart can break open in a way that we're able to have a deeper level of compassion with the suffering of everyone around us through our own suffering. That's really beautiful. And, you know, it kind of is full circle where when we think about the invitation of being a wounded healer, we come back into that opportunity for self-care, self-nourishment, and how that pays forward. And that second one that you mentioned, the institutional barriers, that can take away our agency, which I think can lead to more of that sense of wounding and the inability to make a difference where you want to. It just seems like it's a cyclical process that we probably move through multiple places at one time. Do I have that right? I'd agree with that, yes. And they all are kind of interlocking ways of looking at things in a way... I don't know, I can't quite think of a sort of a visual image, but almost like different layers or different interlocking circles, maybe, that overlap in different ways. And because as you go into the initiation to become a wounded healer, you may engage more in self-care. You might also try to change your institutional environment, or you might switch jobs and just realize this is untenable. I need to go somewhere else for me to be able to take care of myself and to practice. It sounds like you really have a deeper connection with that concept of a wounded healer and the invitation to others of us to come into that opportunity. Is that something you can expand upon this notion of a wounded healer and how that becomes an opportunity for transformation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been really fascinated in this a lot of my life. In a way, it goes back to all the ancient spiritual texts and many of the different spiritual practices and tradition. You know, take yoga, for instance, this idea of yoking or kind of bringing two things together. So, bringing mind and body together, or bringing mind and spirit or heart and spirit. So, there's these different pathways of initiation. I've done some work with Joseph Rael whose other name is Beautiful Painted Arrow, and done some shamanic work with him. He's from the Southern Ute people and grew up at Picaris Pueblo. And so, you know, working with him, I've really looked at this idea of initiation and transformation and shamanic ways of kind of interacting with the suffering rather than trying to get rid of it, ways of kind of working with the energy to see where that might lead instead of kind of coming at it in a attempt to get rid of it. And that's one of the narratives in burnout. Sometimes if we think, okay, I got to get rid of my burnout. There's a humorous Dr. Glaucoma Flecken video on Twitter where, you know, the head medical director is telling everyone they got to do their resiliency training, their well-being exercises to get rid of their burnout. But it may be that we don't want to get rid of our burnout. I mean, that may be just showing, oh, I'm a human being. You know, I have feelings. We want clinicians to have feelings. We don't want them to be these kind of like stainless steel, Teflon resilient beings who are never affected by their work or by the suffering that they're engaged in. 
That's so fascinating because this is a concept that I think we try to invite our clients and patients into as well in relation to their suffering. And it's a tough one. And I think like you're talking about, it really depends on our relationship to what we are experiencing. And I've been looking at some paradigms where they're called, you know, and I don't like this language, but like the victim loop or the accountability loop and how we actually position our framework to the suffering we're experiencing as a practitioner or as a patient. And when we reframe it, what that opportunity that's presenting itself could become depending on our lens, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Another model I've used, there's a lot of different models, so you can kind of just explore around what fits best for you and what fits best for the client. But I've used Joseph Campbell's heroine's journey as a way of, instead of looking at the victim, the heroine goes through the abyss or the dark night of the soul, and the transformation actually involves the suffering so that suffering is part of the engine. It's half of the engine of transformation. And I've tried adapting it then for looking at burnout and the cost of caring as the healer's journey of we can use that same circle of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and put the healer in place of the hero. Mm, Yeah, I've used that model as well and looked at the similar relationship between when the patient is suffering, how that can induce suffering for the practitioner, right? Because Mm -hmm. they can't fix it and that creates its own cycle that isn't supportive of either one. Dr. Kopaz, what am I not asking you that you wish you could speak into that all practitioners knew when considering the cost of caring? Oh, well, it's been a great conversation and we've covered so many important things already. The one thing that we haven't mentioned about the cost of caring is the idea of soul loss. And I started coming to this of thinking, okay, what is it that burns out? You know, if we've got burnout, what burns out? And so I started thinking about particularly looking at the shamanic work of this idea of soul loss and soul retrieval. If the soul is the thing that makes us feel alive and vital and engaged and connected and grounded in the world, when we lose that, we lose all those kind of things that connect us to ourselves and to others. And so then how do we bring the soul back? It would be what things make the soul happy? What kind of things bring you joy? And so how can you build some of those in? And I think a distinction is you could start with self-care to support the ego in the sense of, you know, kind of you as your personality. But I think of the healer, the role of the healer is to move beyond the ego into like what Carl Jung would call the self. And so part of the soul loss can be the breakdown of the ego and then the rebuilding back of the healer. Mm, Beautiful. I love it. I am excited to lead folks to your work and your books and more of what you're talking about here. It's so important. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Dr. Kopaz. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. 
The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks go out to Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, Sandra Brower, Evan Hollingsworth, Heidi Kaufman-Lakowitz, and Rowan Bradley for their support making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month emerging course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.